Thanks for tuning in to the HR Uprising podcast. I'm your host, Lucinda Carney. The HR Uprising is focused on helping forward-thinking people professionals deliver real lasting value in their organizations. I'm a chartered psychologist, speaker, and trainer, and recently authored the best-selling business book, How to Be a Change Superhero. My day job is founder and CEO of software and training business Actus. This gives me the opportunity to work with other businesses like yours. We are focused on building a better workplace for people wherever they are located with the help of our performance, learning and talent management software and our training and consultancy services. Every week on the podcast, I will be covering different topics and challenges joined by relevant experts and real life people professionals. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really hope you enjoy and get value from this week's episode. Hello and welcome back to the HR Uprising podcast. It's 2023, would you believe it? So I hope you had a lovely, restful Christmas and New Year, lots of quality time with family and friends. And this year we have got loads of great stuff in store for you. However, I really want to make it as relevant and as interesting as possible for you. So please do get in touch, whether it's directly with me through the LinkedIn group um, and you know, suggest great great people that you'd like to hear on here suggest yourself if you've got something fresh to tell us about. It's only as good as our guests and the content that we share. So um, we may have done 180 odd episodes, but I still think we've got a few more in us. So please do feel free to connect, join in and tell me what you want to hear about on the HR Uprising podcast in 2023. On to this week, we're all about high performance habits with Dr. John Finn. I felt that was a really appropriate way to start the year. So I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hello and welcome to this week's HR Uprising podcast. And this week, we're going to talk about the power of habits. Now, I'm delighted that I've got Dr. John Finn here with me, who has founded the award-winning Tougher Minds Consultancy. He's got no less than three psychology-related degrees, including a, a PhD. Now, he's worked in performance psychology. We're going to have a chat offline about sports psychology. There's lots of stuff there. And I know there's lots of information out on habits. His book that he's recently, his best-selling book that is in front of me right now, is called The Habit Mechanic. And I read through it with interest. It's got loads of, it's taken him 20 years in the making. It's got loads of really valuable information that we can all take as individuals out of it. And I, I have to say that I actually think I've been a better person this week in terms of some positive habits than I was prior to reading this. How long I can keep them going, that'll be interesting. Um, but what we're going to focus in on, I'm going to get um, Dr. John to actually introduce himself in a moment, but we're going to focus in on how we can apply these to business. So I guess I would absolutely recommend you listen to his podcast and, and have a read of his book for your own personal benefit. And John will give us some context but we want to focus in on how we as people professionals can support others in our business to get the benefits out of great habits. So Dr. John, would you like to uh, introduce yourself? Yes, well, thank you for having me, Lucinda. We've worked with hundreds, if not thousands of businesses from some of the biggest businesses on the planet through to, you know, startups. I think it's important to understand that actually doing a, a, um, a talk to senior leaders yesterday about improving employee performance in the hybrid workplace, which we know is challenging. Um, and the first thing that I introduced to this to the to the leaders was a concept called first principle thinking, 
and Elon Musk is a big advocate of this. So he talks about how he uses first principle thinking, boiling things down to the the most basic, um, the most basic principles that he can. So he, you know, if you want to build a cheaper battery, you've got to look at all the principles, etc. But you can take that to different professions. So if you want to make Formula One cars go faster, you've got to look at the physics of the aerodynamics. If you want to look at get spaceships into the air, you've got to use physics. If you look at professional football, for example. In the, because they've adopted sports science in the last uh, over the last twenty years, even in the last ten years, they've made professional footballers between fifteen to twenty percent physically fitter. Now, here's the big problem we've had in the helping other people professions like HR. It's been very, very difficult to use first principle thinking. Um, Roger Bannister, that I talk about in the book, who was the first person to run the mile in, in sub four minutes, he was able to use first principle thinking about his physiology in the 1950s when he was studying at Oxford University because he was able to measure the gas exchange in his body and, and understand the importance of oxygen. When it comes to um, psychology, when it comes to helping other people to do better, we've been relying on what we call black box theories. Theories that have developed where we haven't actually understood what goes on inside people's brains. Now, this is a huge problem because your business runs on brains or brains run your business. And we haven't really understood how they work before. And those insights that we've started to gather from technologies like functional MRI scanners, although we've got tidbits of information, they haven't really made it into the mainstream to help us to use those insights to, to help us to develop better performance management systems so we can achieve our strategic objectives. That's why I wrote The Habit Mechanic, because I want to empower everyone to use those insights to help themselves and everybody else to do better. And of course, the first thing that we find when we start to look at brains is brains run on habits. And again, we've had this outdated black box thinking, habits are about 50% of what we do, or habits are just the physical things that we do. It's a nonsense. Habits range from 100% of what you think and do. Think about your instinctive reactions that are not conscious at all, down to about 98% of what you think and do. So most of what we're doing most of the time is mindless, automatic behavior. So we are not is conscious, basically, is what you're saying. As a maximal, we have 2% as conscious. And the top scientists in this area think that's probably an overestimation. So um, we are running on autopilot most of the time. And we can think of our brain, it's like a, a trillion tiny mechanical cogs that are whirling round mindlessly that drive our belief systems, our biases, everything that we think and we do essentially. And we have a tiny bit of consciousness. So we are like super, super computers. We can't get a computer to replicate what the human brain does yet. So your organization is packed full of super, super computers, but no one's shown us the operating manual yet. And that's why I, I heard a statistic, um, and I suppose we could couple that first insight, your business or brains run your business with, it's harder than ever for people to get their brains working well because mm -hmm. of the world that we live in, the VUCA world, the cost of living crisis, everything that's going on, the pandemic. 
And I heard some data on, I was doing a podcast called the HR Power Podcast. Uh, and I was listening to a, a few previous episodes. This was a recent podcast. It was, this data was cited by a guy called, I think it's called Kevin Campbell. And he's a human experience scientist. And he said uh, some recent data came out from, I think, the HR Institute that says only 9% of businesses think that their performance management systems actually deliver for the business, actually help the business achieve its strategic objectives. And for me, that's a mirror to the challenging world that we live in where it's harder than ever for people to get their brains working properly, but also because those systems are not based, they're not built on with the with brain function in mind. They're not built on first principle thinking because we haven't really been able to use those insights before to build our performance management systems. Now we can. We can use those insights. And we can build strategies and performance management systems that are based on how people's brains actually work so that we can make it super easy for people to build the kind of habits that make their personal lives easier, that make teams work better, that make it easy for the for the businesses to, to achieve its strategic outcomes. So that's a summary overview of, of the things I'm interested in in business. Okay, so that's, I mean, great. All of that's performance management systems. In, in a particular, I'd love to hear the insight into how do you make it work? Because it's almost like these computers. So we're saying almost we're running the wrong program for the systems that we have. And we may have always been doing that, but now I'm imagining in hybrid working, everyone's remote and maybe the visibility of the programs that we're working to um, isn't necessarily there. And maybe the habits that we've got may not be as effective because so we're all working to habits, whether we're in the office or if we're working remotely. The question is whether those habits are um, are, are productive habits from the point of view of us as individuals, but also from the point of view of the business outcomes. And and of course, so of course, what what I really would want to know is, you know, as both a, a business leader and also as someone who's a people professional, is how can how can how can we make sure that we are operating where we are conscious? We, how well we can we make sure that we are as effective as possible? And I might need you to actually de um, explain a bit more about maybe first principle thinking for me and black box theories, because uh, just to unpick all of this. Yes. Yeah, so. Just to go back to the 9% idea, what does that mean? It, it means that businesses don't think that what they want their people to do, what they know they'd like their people to do, they don't think their people are actually doing that. Yeah. That's what the performance management systems yeah. are supposed to do. It's supposed to move people from knowing what they should do to doing it. And that's when we understand how brains work, that's not surprising. Most More people than ever before know it's a, and actually agree, it's a great idea to eat about five portions of fruit and veg a day and to walk 10,000 steps. Yet in the UK, the NHS is still spending, I think latest figures are over half of its budget. And we know the NHS is the biggest company in Europe, over half of its budget on diseases that emerge because people don't do those things. And that's not just a UK specific problem. We don't do what we know we should do. We do what we're in the habit of doing. Because again, if we go back to first principle thinking, the number one operating rule of the brain is it does what's easiest to do because it's the, our brain wants to conserve energy at all costs. It doesn't like changing. Like, whatever is easiest for us is what we've practiced the most, what we are in the habit of doing. So if you think of um, 
the, the default tool we use to try to change people and try to change ourselves is what scientists would call verbal persuasion. So we persuade ourselves, it'd be a good idea to get to bed a bit earlier tonight. It would be a good idea to get out for a walk at lunchtime. It would be a good idea not to have a dessert tonight because I'm watching my work. So we persuade ourselves what we do. And of course, we don't end up doing most of those things. It's the same with the NHS example, with the government's persuading us that it's a good idea to do this and it's a good idea to do that. But because brains don't run on what we know we should do, they run on what we're in the habit of doing, then knowing is futile almost. We've got to help people to build better habits. So instead of having knowledge-based strategies, and this is why I spend a lot of my time helping uh, HR teams, helping senior leaders to move away from knowledge-based strategies. This is what we know we'd like our people to do. And here's how it connects to our big goals. We've got to move to habit-based strategies. What are the habits that are going to help our people to be at their best in their general life and also when they're working for us? And that means we've got to help. We've got to work out what are the destructive habits that are stopping them being at their best and what are the super habits we can use. So that's step one. Step number two is we've got to use insights from behavioral science to unblock the factors that are stopping our people developing those habits. So we've created our, and it's in the book, our proprietary nine action factor model, which takes all the different expertise of behavioral science, because behavioral science is a scattered complex discipline. And I'm not compelled that any, any one theory explains everything about why we do what we do, which is why we've created our nine action factor model. There are these nine factors that are driving everything that's good and bad in your business. And they're broadly invisible to us. So we think about, we've got to inspire and we've got to motivate people. That's one factor. We've got to model the right behaviors. That's another factor. We've got to incentivize people. That's another factor. We've got to keep reminding people and triggering them up to that's another factor. That's just four of the, of the nine. And we've got to work out what where are the blockages and what's stopping our people actually developing the habits, the automated thinking and behavioral patterns that are going to help them to be at their best, help the business be at its best. Um, work out what those are. So we've got to start to work out what's blocking the system. And step three is we create a plan, a strategic plan to help to activate the factors and get them working for our people instead of against our people. So they're the three simple steps that, that we use uh, to help senior leaders to do that. I was just trying to remind myself of the nine um, So. Yeah, so so I was I see some parallels in some of the points that you make between things you said earlier, just into a change management podcast that I do, but things in change management, for example, so role modeling. Yeah, Char Power podcast, sorry. Right. Yeah. So so you have to role model things. Um so so there are lots of things that um appreciate this is your nine your your proprietary model but that things that would be familiar to us in HR anyway but what you're saying is that this sort of science behind why those things are really important and we're saying that we need to help people become aware of the habits that they have in the first place sort of consciously aware and then in what help them decide to change them if we want to learn a new behavior yeah we have to go from knowledge to skill to habit that's the key thread so if I want to build a better stress management habit, I'm going to need some new knowledge and skills about how to manage my stress, for example. If I want to 
build a better productivity habit. I need to get some, probably need to get some more knowledge and skills about how to do that. Same for better sleep, same to become a better leader. And then what I need to use is the behavioral science to make it as easy as possible to keep practicing the new habits, essentially, the new micro behaviors that lead to the habits. That's the key thing. And I think that being aware of ideas is one thing, using them in a strategic way to help us to make sustainable change is a very different thing. Um, so if we go back to that Roger Bannister example, just to demystify what the black box piece means. So when Bannister was training for to break that record, because that was his aim, and people have been trying to break that record for since 20, 30 years before then. And at the time, it was interesting. There were two other athletes. It was an Australian and an American, um, John Landy and Wes Santi. They were doing the same. What Bannister was able to do, he was studying medicine at Oxford University, and he was also a research scholar. And his research was all about the human respiratory system. And he was doing research on treadmills, looking at gas exchange. And through that research, he was able to work out the essential role of oxygen in the type of running that he was doing. That wasn't understood before. So instead of just thinking of his body as a black box, he was starting to understand some of the core processes that were going to help his body to make the adaptations that he needed to make so he could actually run faster. Whereas his competitors were just simply looking at the training they were doing versus the output they were getting. They weren't actually aware of what impact did this training have on my body at a microphysiological level. So Bannister adapted his training routines and his training habits and his running habits, even his running style, to help him to conserve oxygen. So we haven't been able to think about the brain like that before because we've only been able to look inside it quite recently. So ultimately, brains are running what we do. Habits run brains. That's well understood. And I think we have to, we, we think of humans as logical and conscious. And if they know what to do because they're well-intended, they'll do it. But that isn't how we operate. We run on habits. And I've, I've just had a, a Forbes article accepted. That essentially, the central pillar is we need to move away. We need to think about less about human capital and more about habit capital because habits are driving the business and they are our most precious resource from a health, personal health, happiness, performance aspect, but also from doing our jobs really well so the business can achieve its goals. So the, the question is, though, how do we create habits or how do we help other people to create the habits that we want to serve the business, which may involve unpicking other ones? And I get the sort of the verbal persuasion and insights, but there's going to be something about motivation or you know changing old behaviors because he's like the path of least resistance is where we would have gone for an awful lot of these habits so how could sure, you so yeah how could i could do that motivation is one of the nine one of the nine action factors so it explains about about 11 of why we do what we do um sometimes a bit more sometimes a bit less so we we tougher minds that's what we've crafted our expertise in helping businesses to start analyzing their people's habits and when you get down um, to it there are some fundamental things that if you can help people to build better habits in these areas life gets a lot easier 
starting with the basics of better sleep, better diet, better exercise, better stress management, helping people to build better confidence habits, better productivity habits, better performing under pressure habits, better leadership habits. They're the, they're the kind of the core factors that we see. And when you help people to build these better behaviors, we typically see that you can save people about five hours a week. Five hours a week where they're not beating themselves up. They're not procrastinating on important work. They're not multitasking and therefore making mistakes. They'll, they'll have to repeat the work again or someone else has to repeat it. So when you start to help people to understand how their brain works and how to make these tiny adjustments using science essentially to do that, then their life gets a lot easier. So if I was a line manager and I'm working with um, someone who who's worked remotely since they were they're relatively young in a sort of administrative role so I don't even know what their habits are because you know they bring certain things it's not that visible to me I've only worked remotely with them how could I because because I can see how this makes sense in terms of people's well-being and sleep but there's one of these things also there's a sense that are you en encroaching there's almost this gray area now that since people are working remotely is that encroaching on people telling them making sure that they are sleeping and eating you can kind of encourage it how can we educate or encourage people to take on positive habits as an employer um, when they might feel like it's kind of crossing a line. Yeah. And I think the habit, the word habit is a barrier here maybe because we think of habits as something else. It's over there. It's not, it's driving everything that we think and do. So how can we encourage people to think and do things that are more helpful for them to do their job? Well, would be a better way of thinking about it okay. and automate yeah. those thinking things. And as soon as, the onboarding process when you come into a business, as I know is part of your system, is designed to say, well, here's how we do it here. It's uh, so, it, so this is foundational for everything else that we do. If, we, if the automatic way we're thinking isn't helpful for our health and our happiness, nothing good is going to be built on top of that. So this has to be a fundamental part of how we help our people to be their best. You know, some of the super habits that we know are, are, are essential for starting to starting and sustaining positive change are what we call intelligent self-watching. So helping people to be checking in with themselves more often. So we have an app called the Habit Mechanic University app, which we just launched, which is, you know, the, the book's only a few months old or it's maybe six, six months old now. Um, so the Habit Mechanic University app is just a place that anyone is free, anyone can can join. And we go in there every day and we do our self-watching. We do our, our T plan, for example, our tiny empowering action plan, which takes two minutes a day. And I know it saves me more than an hour every every day just by doing that. Now I'm creating my T plan with quite a high level of what I call habit mechanic intelligence. But even if you don't have such a high level of habit mechanic intelligence, you still do a little bit better. And I think that's what you were referring to before, yeah. in the way you said, just thinking about these ideas in the book, I feel I'm doing better because it's making us do some intelligent self-watching. Because most of what we're doing is on autopilot, we're not really, our, our brain isn't wired to make us think about ourselves. We're thinking about the outside world because we have this tiny bit of consciousness. And that tiny bit of consciousness that we've got is being increasingly depleted by the VUCA world, by mm. the pandemic, by the distractions of and, and real issues, of cost, cost of living, adapting to new technologies so we can communicate, worrying about, did, did I get my message across on the video call because it's a bit harder when I'm not in person with people. So this tiny bit of consciousness that we've got is, is getting hugely de depleted by the challenges of the modern world. 
Um, so habits run our business, whether we like it or not. It's not a side issue. It's the, it's the fundamental thing that drives the business. And we haven't really understood them before. We can understand them now and we can make it easier for people to understand their own habits and start building new ones. Um, so when we, what, what we see is when you start to help people understand their habits in your business, it has three broad positive impacts. One, it helps them with their life. It helps them in everything they're trying to do in their life. And they're really appreciative that the business is helping them to do this. They're giving them such meaningful support. It helps the team to build trust and psychological safety because all of a sudden you've got people talking about they're working on themselves and they're learning about themselves and they're not perfect. And it's okay to talk about this in this team. And you start to get these much deeper, meaningful relationships, even though people are working remotely most of the time now. And thirdly, people report that they do more, more focused, clever work every day. They use what we call their high charge brain states. So they, the biggest challenge that we see is that people are doing more and more busy, busy, busy work, which speaks to the fact that we're running on habits. So having becoming a habit mechanic allows people to do more focused, clever, productive work, which not only delivers for the business, but it makes them feel better about themselves because making personal progress is key for, our, for happiness and it's harder than ever to do. Um, and that's all by helping people to become habit mechanics and helping leaders to become chief habit mechanics. So I was I'm trying to think. So productivity being a key one, which which actually some areas um, where leaders maybe are, are wanting people to go back into the workplace, they're thinking that they'll be more productive. And and productivity is is probably the thing, isn't it? In terms of um, habits, I, I, I mean, so if I was thinking of a productivity habit, you're talking about um, times a day, don't you? Or, t- or times when you can you've got certain capacity for each type of work. So. Is, is, is would an example of being um, aware is being aware of what my habits are in relation to what I do first thing in the morning. So if, for example, I choose to plan my day the day before and work on the really hard bit of work first thing in the morning without opening my emails, if that's my habit of, of doing that, then that's a productive habit, let's say, because that's my best time of day. Or if I've got into the habit of sitting down and sitting in my emails you know, for for an hour and then I've lost the best bit of the day, that would be a less positive habit. Is that the sort of thing you're talking about with productivity or is there more to it in terms of how you schedule your time and how you use your time? Yeah, and I think these are real micro behaviours. We want to focus on the super habits. Right. What's going to help me to activate up to have a really good day? And tools like the T plan, for example, creating a willpower story, for example, they're the habits we want to activate with people. So if we think of productivity, when we ask an outcome, so it's an outcome of my brain working well, which means good sleep, good diet, good exercise, good stress management, confidence in what I'm doing, um, and me understanding how to manage my brain states throughout the course of the day. And it, what helps different people to be productive looks a little bit different. So we'd have a prescriptive program where you say you must do X, Y, and Z. That becoming a habit mechanic is all about being empowered to go on a personal journey where you learn more about yourself. You learn more about, well, what are your super habits and what are your destructive habits? And you go on this journey of building more super habits and getting rid of more destructive habits. For me, 
every day is a bit like a barcode. So there's only 24 hours in a day. That's all we've got. Think of instead of a black and white barcode, think of a blue and red barcode. The blue times are when we're doing and thinking things that are helping us to be healthy, happy, and at our best. The red lines, which people are increasing, there are more and more of, or reporting there are more and more of, are times when we're thinking and doing things that are getting in the way of us being, being at our best. Those blue lines and those red lines are both, a bit, they're both habits. They're both driven by automated behaviors. So what we need, what we do as habit mechanics is we become aware of those lines and we deliberately work on getting rid of, of the red lines, one tiny red line at a time. And as chief habit mechanics, as senior leaders, we use the science to help us to build cultures and performance management systems that make it really easy for people to build and sustain new helpful habits. And actually, you talk about this, how to build a high performance culture, don't you, in the book. Could you explain that a bit? Because that's quite a useful um, thing for people to be able to see if, if you move away from the individual. Yeah, so I think it's helpful to start with what does culture mean? Well, the origin of culture, if people don't know, it's it's a Latin word which refers to agriculture. So think of a farmer trying to cultivate their their crops. That's what they're trying to do. And that, that word culture is coming to sort of the human performance space. So if we're trying to create a great culture, we're trying to create, like think of your, you've got a farm and you're trying to create the right conditions to get the right soil. Now, an extended problem with the hybrid workplace is people, your people are not coming to the farm every day anymore. They've got their own farm essentially that they're working on where the cultural conditions are less out of your control. And I think that we we may, if we think about um, human capital or people being our most important resource, we probably think about we're trying to grow and nurture the people in the soil and, and people we think of as they're, they're conscious and they're logical and they're really well intended, which they are. But actually humans are run by their brains and brains are not all that conscious and logical there, if we look at people like Daniel Kahneman's research, thinking fast and slow, won a Nobel Prize for that work. We are we have biases and we have automated belief systems. So actually, it's much it's much better to think about you're trying to nurture people's brains in these conditions, and that's why we hear things like uh, psychological safety is so important for a good culture because without psychological safety, brains don't work well. They are magnetized towards threats and problems and worry. And that tiny bit of consciousness that we have in our brain gets wiped out. So we've got to work out what conditions do we need to create to help people's brains work really well. And then if people's brains are working really well and we trust each other, that's going to drive good communication, good collaboration, and that's going to allow us to be excellent at solving problems for our business and for our clients so we can delight our clients. So they're the fundamental ideas, but great cultures are only going to happen if you've got great habits, ultimately, which until very recently has been invisible to us. And that's why it's been really hard to get this right. So what would be the great habits that leaders would be demonstrating that would be sowing the right, you know, creating the right, fertilising the right soil or whatever it is, as your analogy goes, in terms of creating that great culture? Yeah, so our um, chief or, or our team power leadership model and I would say everyone has a leadership responsibility because everyone has influence. So leadership is just about influencing other people's behavior. Fundamentally, that's what it means. You can influence people in a positive way, think Nelson Mandela, or you can influence people in a negative way, 
think uh, Darth Vader, you know, and that can be a tiny, tiny negative, like rolling your eyes in a meeting, just body language, or it can be a huge negative impact, or it can be a tiny positive or, or, or tiny or, or, or a huge positive. So our team power leadership model has four components. One is the role model, what other people see you doing. And everyone should be working on making themselves a better role model. And that's a big part of becoming a habit mechanic. The second part is what we call action communicator. Communicating in a way that makes it really easy for people's brains to work well. And everybody from your graduates upwards should be working on becoming better action communicators. You know, and in the, in the habit mechanic book, we break all this down into, into tiny little uh, habits. The third element we call a cultural architect. Now, we don't need everyone to be better cultural architects right now. Some of the se- this is going to be the senior leaders in the business. We, ha- we need them to understand how, how to create cultures that make it really easy for people's brains to work well and make it easy for people to work together towards shared goals and objectives. And the third, the fourth element is what we call a swap coach. Swap is our most basic change model. Self-watch, make a name, make a behavioral science-backed plan. So swap coaching is about actually helping people to to build new habits, not just helping people to know what would be a good idea um, for them to do. And that's why I found in my early education, these three degrees that I've got were all about, if, if you could help people to do this, that would be great. But you know the, the science of how do you help people to do that was pretty much non-existent in a sustainable way. Um, how do you actually help people to make positive change? So when you've learned how to do that yourself as a habit mechanic, you can help others to do it. You know, and there's certain people in your business that you wanna that you're gonna want to becoming to be becoming better swap coaches. So that's a framework. We have another framework as well called the team power uh, model, and you plug those those two things together. And that pulls it again. Just so your swap coach. I mean, the thing is, and I, I'm, I'm guilty. I used it in a, in a podcast um, that I recorded recently. It hasn't gone out yet. But um, behavioural science. You know, it, it, it's it's all very well saying to a leader do something backed by behavioural science, but they may not know what that is. Have you got any tips on how they can do that without? It's not like they have to go and get a psychology degree to do it. Um, what no, they- just just read the the final section in the Habit Mechanic book because. That's everything we teach people, and as you as you can see, Lucinda, that that book is not a it's not a normal book. It's a manual for life. If you want to start becoming a better leader, read the final section in the book, and it breaks down all those four areas into probably about 150 different tactics that you can use. Just pick one tactic to start with. Start working on yourself, and you know that so, you're confident that that's behavior that behaviorally science backed. Yes, and the application of Using the tactic, if you like, is one thing, but you've got to build that into a habit. So it'd be a great idea, actually, if I was a bit more positive with my direct reports. That's knowing it. That's just knowing. You built you use the habit building plans in the book, for example, to help you to build that habit. Um, so we don't just give people more knowledge about what to do. That's what the book is probably all is all the core knowledge that we've got about this. We help people to turn it into habits. So we're not just saying to leaders. Try this out because it's behaviorally by science back. We show you actually how to embed this in, into your life and into your business uh, and how to make it work for you. And I guess you don't have, you can watch yourself, but you can also use tools like feedback if you've had from other people as to things that you may do or not do, which may be helpful or unhelpful habits to carry on doing or, or do less of. Um, that, that would be a way in which you'd say those things. 
Yeah. So for me, that's an extension of intelligent self-watching. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think this about myself, but what do you guys think? Yeah. But that, again, that help, that allows us to know more. Yes. So exactly. And, it, and 20 it's years... validating, isn't it? Because you're taking other yes. people's views as well as to, um, as to it. For for a long time, well, since since its existence, which is I think just over a hundred years, professional football teams have known they wanted their players to be fitter. Until they could access sports science, the first principle thinking insights about well, what actually makes people fitter. Right. They, yeah. They weren't that good at making people fitter, and that's why we've seen these seismic shifts in player fitness in the last uh, twenty years or so. We can use this same science now. It's only just becoming available to help our people to be healthier, to be happier, to be at their best more often. Not just knowing what what's a good idea to do to help them to do that, but actually to automate that. And then if we go back to the business, and let's circle back to one of the things you said right at the start, that um, you know, 90% of businesses also don't feel that they achieve the aims that they're trying to achieve out of their performance management processes, whatever those may be. I mean, ultimately, processes are used by people. So I'm assuming that it's the habits that people have in using them, whether it's the managers or the individuals, that plays a part in the output. Is that the case? Or what would you say if people want to get more out of those processes using habits? What would you recommend? Well, yeah, I mean, that that data is from lots of businesses. So I would take what they mean by that is... We know what we want our people to, and this is this is the biggest challenge I see for seeing hear from senior leaders that we work with. I know what I want my people to do. I can't get them to do it. What's the biggest barrier to them doing it? They're too busy. They feel they're busier than ever. They feel they're busy that they're they're so busy that they can't do anything but their day to day. They don't have any room to think strategically, for example. So I think the problem is that, and and it's not anyone's fault. It's the the way we've created performance management systems isn't based on how brains actually work in the way that 30 years ago, the way we were creating physical uh, fitness systems for professional footballers wasn't based very accurately on what made you physically fitter to play a 90-minute game of professional football. So we, we're, we're relying on these outdated black box models, you know, things like Maslow's hierarchy of needs doesn't actually explain it doesn't work it's fundamentally flawed but things what, like what would work though what does work in them so if you're going to re, you know reinvent performance management systems to work in the way that habits do so they would be um supporting it what what would they look like so i'd use the three-step process what are the habits that we need to help our strategy work so we know what we need to do to win we know who our target customers are we know Sorry, we know what winning looks like for the business. We know what the mission is, the objectives. So you, still we know need to, you still need to agree and set goals with people. They need to know what to achieve, but it's then having the habits to achieve them. Yeah, so, oh, sorry, I'm just going from the top of a, of a sort of a strategic model. So we know what the mission is. We know who the customers are we're trying to serve. We know the basics of our success, you know, from a product development, product delivery, from a sales marketing, all those things. We know the assets we're going to need to del- deliver those outcomes. And then the performance management system kind of sits under that. How do we get our people to do the things that, that we want them to do? What 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 explains most of our people's behavior is the habitual things that they do, what they are in the habit of thinking and doing. So we need to work out what are the habits that are going to allow them to deliver these outcomes for the business. And those habits 
are going to come back to all the fundamental things that we think about. We need people to have good habits around that allow them to have good brain function, good sleep, good diet, good exercise. We need them to have good habits around managing stress, around managing their confidence, around being good leaders, around being efficient and effective with their time. So they're the fundamental things. And then you see, that, I think to... I get all that, but I think that just brings a good person to work who's in a position to be able to work. That doesn't mean that I'm necessarily going to put in discretionary efforts in the direction of the business goals. So I, I so I, I think, and I don't know if we're talking at the same process on across purposes on the performance management systems, but I mean, but behavioral science is very clear that people need goals or they need to have goals that are linked to strategic outcomes. So, and, and there's a lot of, um, you know, messaging out there in terms of management practice that people need regular feedback, which would be maybe habits that managers should have to help people. So I'm just trying to fill the gap between the sort of well-being stuff and the people management stuff and see whether it fits with the habits. So would it be the case that then having having clear goals that link to the strategy that maybe are broken down into smaller chunks so they become more habitual that people apply themselves to or prioritise? Is that an example of it? Is it an example of then the leaders spending time on a regular basis talking to people about how they're doing against them. Are they the sort of practical habits we're talking about? Because when we're saying, because that's what I feel that performance management is about, but I don't know whether we agree there or not. Is performance, what, what is the fundamental thing performance management is trying to do? I, I think it's about aligning people um, people's results in line with business results. So it's helping people be productive in line with business. So if we dig deeper, what, what do we need people to do in order to help them to do that? We want them to under, have clarity about what's expected and be motivated to do the best against those goals, basically. Be motivated to put in discretionary effort or be motivated to prioritise their time against the important stuff. I think it goes back to when people understand what's important. And you talked earlier about busy work um, as opposed to some of the unconscious stuff. So maybe we're talking about being as conscious about the important things which align with business goals as opposed to being too busy as in what people are doing. So, you know, that is, so it's that kind of... If, if I know what to do, so I know that the business wants me to do this, does that guarantee that I will do it? No, and that's, we... and that's my point, actually. How do we as HR or leaders get people to spend... Because it's all very well having had a good night's sleep, but how do we make sure that they are actually going to choose those lovely, fresh um, minds to spend it in the direction that the business wants them to because the habits that we want to build are aligned with our strategic goals so the way that the, the strategy model that we use which is borrowed from um proctor gamble is the five questions that i went through before what what does winning look like for the business so what are the objectives of the business what's the mission number two is where are we going to play um who are the customers that we want to delight, in other words? Number three is, how are we going to win? So what are the basics of our success? Number four is, what assets do we need to deliver those basics of success? Part of that is going to be having people doing their jobs really well. And at the bottom of that model is, what performance management systems do we need to deliver all those outcomes? So that is absolutely connected with the business goals and the, the strategic way, way of thinking which I know you talk about in your five um, superpowers. We have to be more strategic with how we think. So yeah. we've got to plug in the performance management system to the strategy model. That's, that's what we do. Because people's habits, if people have the right habits, 
you're going to deliver the strategic goals. If they don't have the right habits, you won't deliver the strategic goals. And it because is, everything it, that happens in the business is driven by this automatic behaviour. It's this whole kind of key getting people to care, isn't it? And I saw you also talked about emotion, people actually engaging with it all as, as well. And there's, there's actually so much we can go into here that I think we probably have to just whet people's appetites and direct them to, to various places, including your book. Uh, with, and, and the book's great in the fact that you can just pick it, you can dip in and out. You could refer to it as a manual. Um, so... A book that's called The Habit Mechanic. Um, John, do you want to tell people where else they because you've got so many things? I know you mentioned you've got the new app, which I haven't downloaded yet. I will go and take a look at. How can they get in touch with you if they want to know more? Because I know you do training, etc. What's the best way for people to contact you? Yes, you can check out our website, which is tougherminds.co.uk, tougherminds.co.uk, which I'll show will be linked somewhere around the podcast. Yeah, we'll put it on the show notes. Um, you can check out the book. You can that's an audible and and physical, et cetera, which is on Amazon and all the other big online bookstores. I'm very active on LinkedIn. Um, we have our app on both, which is called Habit Mechanic University, absolutely free, which is about triggering um, a really helpful super habit we've created called the Daily Tea Plan. That's on the Google Play Store and the Apple um, App Store. And... Yeah, you're welcome to download that and just start getting involved really and you've got a podcast as well so there's lots of places on there i think that people can find yes it. we have the happy mechanic podcast yet yeah, we do yeah. we can check that out as well yeah so so um I, I, it's it's a tome the book but it's, it's actually really digestible so i do recommend people go and take a look and, and and obviously get in touch with you john if they'd like to know more so thanks so much for joining us on the hr uprising podcast well thank you for having me lucinda it's been a pleasure I really hope you found this week's episode useful and enjoyable. If you did, perhaps you could recommend us to a friend or colleague or give us a review on your platform of choice. It really helps new listeners to find us. Now you can access links to any of the information mentioned in this show via the website www.hruprising.com. Further free resources are also available at www.actus.co.uk. There you can also find out more about our software and training solutions. Finally, why not join our LinkedIn group, The HR Uprising, to share ideas and collaborate with other like-minded people professionals. Thank you for listening to The HR Uprising podcast.